Hey everyone, it's Mike from BGN. Before the show starts, I wanted to quickly tell you about a very special new sponsor that we have at the network, Golden Goal Press. Now, I've intentionally been very selective about who we partner with as a network because I never want to advertise for someone that we don't think would benefit you personally. That's why Roughneck Scarves is and continues to be a great sponsor as they've been able to outfit tons of supporters groups and organizations with amazing scarves. Golden Goal Press is unique because after researching tons of companies, we decided the best way to serve your needs directly is to create a new company that can work directly with you. Golden Gold Press helps you create custom shirts, hats, mugs, flags, literally the list of items can go on and on and we do it with a unique personal touch that provides you with the best products at a fraction of the cost of other print shops online. So the next time you're looking for one custom item or hundreds, please go check out goldengoldpress.com. As always, we appreciate your support and now on with the show. To uh, the USL show brought to you by uh, BGN, Beautiful Game Network Podcast, BGN.FM at the BGN.FM. Also brought to you by uh, a couple other of our friends, Roughneck Scarves, RoughneckScarves.com if you need anything related to scarves. And if you need any other merch, anything like that, check out Golden Gold Press. Definitely good stuff happening over there. This is the USL show. Uh, we're a little preoccupied because it's a, it's a big open cup night and things are happening. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, I'm your host, as most of the time, uh, your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster and your favorite cheesemonger's favorite cheesemonger, Evan Blow. Um, it's good to be here. Nice to be back. This is my second podcast of the day, so I'm a little out of it. But I'll... Uh, weird flex, but okay. Yeah, man, whatever. <laughs> hey, whatever. It's well-deserved in this case. Why don't you tell us what you're talking about? Yeah, um, uh, it's weird because no one's going to see it for like two weeks, but... Um, Inside uh, scoop. Yeah. Uh, inside, yeah, inside scoop for sure. No, uh, so Austin Deleuze, uh, the captain of North Carolina FC, and, and number six for them, literally and sometimes uh, metaphorically as well, uh, runs Playing for Pride, which is a absolutely massive um, LGBTQ plus community and uh, involvement campaign that, uh, that donates a ton of money to Athlete Ally through... Uh, soccer players pledging money and, and donating if they score goals or get clean sheets, all kinds of fun things like that. Uh, check that out at Playing for Pride on Twitter. Uh, but we are doing a, a four-part series about uh, openly gay people in uh, USL and how they kind of found community and acceptance and things towards uh, in the soccer community. And uh, because I thought it would only be fair if I was doing the other interviews that I would be the guinea pig. So Austin Deleuze interviewed me earlier today. Um, and that'll be up on June the 1st, which will be Saturday. And then uh, on hopefully the 8th of June, the 15th and the 22nd, uh, we'll have uh, episodes with me interviewing other people about kind of their experiences. So that's really exciting. But uh, yeah, we break that down in the interview too. But stay tuned on that one. I know it was a weird flex. The guy that said weird flex, but okay, uh, is one of my favorite people 
if only because he's just as Philly as I am, even though he moved away. Uh, you might know him as Home Sweet Soccer. We, we know him as Jason. What's up, buddy? What's going on, guys? How, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for, for bringing me back. I'm yeah. glad to see that the HR complaints of hiding your face have been yeah. approved, and mm-hmm. now we don't have to Ooh. see it. So that was that, that's, that was very good. Yeah. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah. Glad to see that you guys are making moves, making steps in the right place. You know, really what it was, was <laughs> Ryan Madden went, guys, listen, we can't let you keep doing this. If that's what, <laughs> if that's what we're looking at, you know? And I went, you're right. You're right. <laughs> they said, they said, actually, they said the fourth substitution they were thinking about doing for the concussion protocol was actually just a, just a ploy so that if someone was on our show the week before and they just were like too horrified from looking at me, they wouldn't have to play. Mm. But uh, we'll get into that later as well. <laughs> anyway, uh, also here, the waviest man, the St. Louis Metropolitan area, the cream in your Irish coffee, father of three, Phil Grooms. Yeah, father of three. Uh, I came home from work today and it was just loud as hell in here. You know, every kid was going nuts. (laughs) You were just screaming, why didn't we win the league? (laughs) (laughs) It it felt like a five-person family today for sure. Mm, mm. But... I heard that only gets better the, the more your third child ages. Oh, yeah. It only gets Especially worse. in that two to three range. Only get worse. Mm, I'm down. Mm, I'm you down. only have two more for your seven aside team. Oh, no. Oh, you're right. Maybe I should go for it. I should go for it. I don't I know. I feel like that has, to get a, gets a, that has to get approved, though. Yeah. See, the thing is, I'm, US scared, I'm scared a girl might have to play on my team. You know? Oh, so. ouch. <laughs> That's cool um, to say in uh, 2019, right? That's yeah, that's cool. a very woke take in 2019. Sure. Being of women's sports. <laughs> Not problematic at all. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, who else? Ryan, uh, our, our, sorry, the USL Stats Department is also here. Our non-international international correspondent, Ryan Allen. Ryan, uh, congratulations on your eventual Champions League win. Hoping so. I'm going to be pretty nervous going up to June 1st, but it's yeah. exciting to made it this far. It was funny. I started my, or I restarted my summer job uh, this past weekend. And, and one of my coworkers was born in 2002 and I felt like really old because she was saying like a bunch of slang words that I didn't know. And when she said she got it all from Twitter, yet when I toss out the phrases Tam, Gam, and Pro Rel, she looked at me like I'm the That's weird one. really bizarre. <laughs> That's really, that might have been the best joke who the hell is this yeah. girl? Oh, it's like I, I. She was born in two thousand two, so it just felt like weird. There, it's like, come on, really pro rel? You don't. Well, this is what people on Twitter talk about. I think it was the, Hope the worst part of Twitter. <laughs> uh, if only she knew what went down. Um, guys, this is a this okay. is the US. Soccer, yeah. Uh, this is the USL show. We do, in fact, have a show. Uh, we're doing it. Uh, I, do we just want to talk about the Open Cup? Yeah, I mean, I do think we should cover the concussion protocol. I think that's a pretty big deal. But um, I think those two things would cover a pretty good show. So Let's do it. So, yeah, uh, Jake Edwards tweeted out, I think ESPN initially ran the story now. Yeah, ESPN is yeah. the one who initially broke it. Uh, so that's fun. Um I'm sure there's some ESPN plus uh, nonsense, or whatever happening in there. Be like, Hey, give us a couple of stories every year and we'll, we'll do this or something. Uh, the USL is, is toying around with, and I guess the plans are to implement a fourth substitution uh, for head injuries in the concussion protocol by 2020 or 2021. 
Yep. Uh, and this is something that uh, Taylor Twellman, I think, was one of the more early days vocal proponents of it. I think uh, Kyle Martino has jumped on the bandwagon. And I think anyone that's watched any soccer in the last year or two and that knows anything about concussions is very much on board with this. Um, and to, to put it in a, in a less serious way, my dad even thinks that this is a good idea. Um, they used Jim Bertongan as the cover photo from that uh, Champions League first yeah. leg for that article. Mm. And it's just, I mean, it just makes sense, right? Like, you don't want to have to punish a team for taking care of a player. Right. Which is really what we're doing now, in a sense. So, you know, having that fourth sub or, or, or having a sub that doesn't count if it's due to head injuries is, is a very welcome change. I agree. I agree. And and they're already thinking of some of the things like obviously teams are going to try to skirt the rules with this, right? It's just sure. inevitable, right? So right, right. Uh, a few of the things they're thinking about is putting a time limit on that sub mm. where if someone's going to come back in, it has to be within 10 minutes. You know what I mean? So, right. Or they're only allowed to come in for 10 minutes until they figure out whether he's concussed or not. Mm. There's, there's an argument about whether it's better. Uh, see what you guys think about this. Whether it's better to have one neutral doctor check everybody out or whether each team gets to check it out with their own team doctor. And to me, I thought that was a, a no contest winner where obviously you go with a neutral guy who can you know try to make sure no one's trying to skirt the rules like we were talking right. about. Um, yeah. But what they argue is that no one knows a player like the team doctor. Like, yes. you know, you can ask him certain questions. You can tell if he's normal or not immediately. Right. So I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, the the only problem I have with the – I think the uh, like the independent committee sort of thing is how the NFL does it right now, right? Mm. And that's, say, yeah. that's been like a nightmare for them, or at least it was, where it's like, you know, there's pressure on – and I guess you have this either way. Like, there's pressure on that doctor because the team might be like, hey, like, you know, he's good, right? So, I, yeah. I like the team doctor idea better, if only because then I think it's a quicker process in a way. Yeah. But at the same time, we're, you know, like, Phil, I agree. Like, that guy's going to know that player better. There also may be a little bit more, you know, uh, shenanigans from the from the manager. Mark and Murray also, and Jacob Terrell are both agreeing that maybe both have both. What, yeah. What were you going to say, Ryan? Sorry. The thing is, with the if you have an independent third party, you're then looking at having an additional thing that something's going to have to be covered by the host team. That's an additional person that will have to be paid for mm-hmm. by the league. And yeah. and we saw oh, with Fertong and like concussions happen in this sport, but if it doesn't happen as often, then that's an additional person you're paying for to just be there as like an insurance policies to a team doctor who's already there performing a function as a medical staff may be a quicker and easier and cheaper route that some teams would rather prefer. Well, like he also need an ambulance in every game. I mean, it's huge. It is more money, right? And and they're already shelling out money. You know, the home team I think has to pay for the refs and for the, yep. the hotel and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it is adding on to that, but isn't it, isn't it worth it? I, I know, especially in USL Championship, I think it's something that should be there. Mm. What are you thinking, Jason? You yeah, so uh, I'm cool with the neutral doctor. I do understand the personality thing, and I'm not a doctor, but I do feel like 
when it comes to concussions, a doctor should be able to not necessarily have to know your personality to know if something is off. Right. Like, so I feel like that, that shouldn't be an issue. Right. And I do think that there's more of a chance that teams are going to try to get around that. Right. And have a player say like, tell a player late in a game, like, Hey, this is going in the extra time or going into PKs. If, as soon as you go up for a header, Mm -hmm. just go down and pretend like you have a head injury. So someone else could sub in. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it, it is what it is, right? This is, this is the game. This is what people do to, to win. So I do think the neutral doctor is the best option. And I do think it is something to where, yeah, you pay those expenses, right? It's, this is, this has been a, a forefront of a study and topic for years across all sports, right? Yeah. Bones repair, muscles repair. There's a chance your brain does not. Um, and it's only going to get worse as it goes on. And at least with the NFL, they have where once a player retires in the NFL or moves on, they usually have some kind of medical now that covers it for a certain amount of time. Um, and that was something that they really pushed. I don't think that uh, there's anything like that in USL, right? Right now. So that's something important to where, yeah, don't sacrifice your, yourself now. And then later on in life, it starts affecting you and you can't get treatment. So spend that money now to take care of these players while you can, because they don't want to suffer later on, you know, and you have players that are 34 years old that retired early in the NFL and waking up in the middle of the night, going downstairs and having no idea. And so it'd be a real shame to see that happen, especially in soccer where, you know, like, yeah, people are probably having head injuries. I, I watched a game, this past weekend, I think I counted about six, seven stoppage for head injuries. So it, it's something that's going to happen more and more. They're, the athletes are more athletic now. They're more physical. So, yeah, it's something that's definitely needed. Do you think there, there could be a way to, like you were mentioning that earlier at the start, there would be a hindrance against team doctors saying, like, hey, take a, a head injury here, go to the turf just so we can sub you out. Do you think a hindrance that the league could postulate would be if a player were to exit the game for a head injury, they would have to sit out their next game to ensure yeah, that they're I, able I absolutely to come back. like that rule. I do so too. yeah, I yep. Or they have to do with like so in the NFL and I don't know how strict it is, but you know they have a concussion protocol. So I do think what happens mm-hmm. is the league then can make a protocol and say, okay, if that person does come out, they have to pass a protocol to get back in. Um, and so, yeah, so whether that's going to be a test, whether it's you have to sit down the next game, you, you know, whatever that is, I think that's something that teams in the league can agree upon. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, just something that a manager would have to consider if you're going to bring out a player the, that they the, the issue is though, in the next match. The, the issue with that is you just want to make sure that – because, right, that's what these players – decide to keep playing for because they're like oh i don't want to i know if i go to the sideline and get checked they're going to say i've got a concussion and i need to sit so i'm going to pretend like i'm fine i'm going to get up and keep playing so you just want to make sure that you don't put too many stipulations because then managers and players are probably going to try to avoid saying that they have head injuries at all costs when in actuality we need them to say it more and say hey like you need to sit down and chill. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's part of the 10 minute, 15 minute rule that they were talking about is give them 10 minutes, give them 15 minutes, make sure they can go through the whole protocol because that's what you guys were talking about. The guy that I forgot his name, but the guy that got kicked out of the champions league and then went right back. In. Yeah. We're talking. So didn't he have a bloody nose or something like that? So they were caring for his bloody whatever. And they said he went through 
protocol just to get him back on the field. And everybody knows that's not obviously it didn't go through the proper protocol. So yeah, I right. think that's what you're getting at. Is and you that, can tell immediately. And I mean, I was watching the match here at home and I was in ocean away and you could tell immediately when he went off that something wasn't right with mm-hmm. Vertonghen and he just wasn't himself and he needed to come out for that. Yeah. And you don't, you, and that's the thing, like I'm saying, you're, you're a spectator watching. I think a neutral doctor would be able to look at someone yeah. and tell like, yo, you are not in the right place. Sit your ass down. Totally. Ryan, you mentioned the uh, CBA <clears throat> as well. You want to talk about that? Say that again. You broke up. Oh, sorry. The CBA with the players union. You mentioned that in the chat. Oh yeah, it, I could definitely see this as being one thing that the uh, with the players' union starting up that it could be something they would negotiate in CBA as another way to have player protections for this next so CBA that would come up. For sure. Yeah, and then maybe they see it coming and they're just decided to you know if they're going to ask for it, let's just go ahead and plan on it and look like the good guy. That'd be really <laughs> smart PR, right? Um, but either way, I mean, I think, I think we could chat about this and argue about it all day. I think in the end, this is a noble cause, whether who cares about intentions, I think it's a noble cause. And, and if it's something that ends up going through, we'll take, I think we should take the good with the bad and, and, and just roll with it and give it a shot. And, and props to USL being, as far as I know, the first pro league to even consider trying it and, and implementing it maybe as soon as 2020, if they got their stuff together. And odds are, and it, well, I, I think they'll do it. Right, next year. Oh, wow. And should, Go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead, Jason. Sorry. I was just going to say, this is this should be every league across yeah. across the globe. There's just no excuse at this point, right? There's no stories. There's been research. You've seen the results. It, it's no excuse. It should be across all sports, all leagues. Yep. And the rest of the soccer world may be looking at USL for this and, and points hey, if it's working well for this league, this may be something we would want to consider implementing in other leagues across the planet. Yeah, and hopefully it puts pressure. So like you said, we're, yeah. you think. We're yeah, put, put pressure and say, you know, like, so Taylor Twellman, a big uh, activist for this, he should be putting pressure on MLS and say, look what USL is doing. Mm-hmm. Like this is, you know, so there's no excuse for them to be doing this and you guys can't. And to take another step back, I mean, and this is where I'm going to be like the, the USL shill, but um I mean, USL has already, this is not the first time that if this goes through and it's a good idea and it works well, this is not the first time USL has done something and kind of everyone's looked at MLS and been like, well, look, it worked in USL. You, Why are you guys not doing this? And so I think that goes even into the whole, um, you know, solidarity payments and selling kids on to Europe and, you know, losing them to Europe and USL and, and just the whole transition of everything, forming academies. Like, USL has been pushing MLS and even the world soccer in a lot of different ways, and it's really cool that they're kind of adopting this, this you know, early adopters of, of interesting new things that could be used in the soccer world, not just soccer in the United States, but the entire world. I think that's really awesome. and It's part of one of the things I really love about the USL. Best companies are proactive in their industry rather than reactive. It's well said, Mr. Uh, business major, minor. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Business, that's actually major. Ryan's uh, shoot last name, not his work last name. Uh, his, his real last name is Mr. Business Major Minor. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
Hey guys, the uh, the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup is literally currently happening, and uh, wouldn't you know it? There's some USL Championship teams in in the hunt. Uh, Two finals already. Yep, we uh, we just did another one there. Um, yeah, so already through. Uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds over the Dayton Dutch Lions 3-0. Tampa Bay Rowdies took care of the Villages 4-1. Hartford Athletic beat the New York Cosmos U23s. First win in club history. And it's over the Cosmos. Woo! Yeah. All right. NASL is dead. Long live NASL. <laughs> um, well said. That's perfect. <laughs> Nashville is currently beating uh, Tormenta 2. OKC Energy and the uh, North Texas Rayados are tied at the half, and San Antonio with a comfortable 2-0 uh, lead over Laredo Heat, and Austin Bold 1-0 uh, over Tulsa at the half, which by the time you're hearing this will not mean anything to anyone not listening to that uh, to us on live. YouTube.com backslash the USL show. Quick plug. There you go. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, Jason, you're not here for no reason. Uh, you're here because we like having you on. Oh, it's, uh, okay, great. And, and we appreciate the energy, but but as one of the League One fun boys, y'all are in the open, well. So it's the first year for for uh, for these teams to be in this league, but it's not the first year for a lot of these teams to be in the Open Cup. No. So you know, let's talk about it, man. Which, That's... um, like, I, I mean, where I guess where do you want to start? Like, well, let's start, you... let's start with the team that has the most historical content of the u.s open cup let's start yeah. with richmond you know let's let's, let's let's start with some cup winners yeah. um so they're playing north carolina and this is one of those matchups to where i think they richmond i think has the best chance to go far in this tournament but i don't like their opponent i don't like them going up against north carolina and so this is why mm-hmm. so richmond had started started a little slow and coach below has been trying to implement this possession style of play and now it's actually working the cylinders are going everyone's moving uh joe gardo is killing it four goals which is tied for first in the league 10 chances created eight shots on target with a 67 percent shooting accuracy which is insane for a number 10 right so mm-hmm. when their strikers haven't been able to put in the ball He's been the one to step up. Easily their most offensively creative player. Uh, someone that I don't think is going to be playing in this league after this season. Definitely will be in championship next season, if not getting some tryouts with MLS. Um, and then also a big reason of the change from Richmond starting to win in their past uh, couple games is they have um, their their center. Their defense has always been great, but now what they're doing is they're winning balls in the middle. And Akwe is a big part of that. He's second in the league of clearances with 36 clearances, 14 interceptions, which is third in the league, and he's winning 60% of his duels. And so what's happening is the further he goes up and he wins those balls, he's able to team up with Bolduc and Maxi Rodriguez to go and push. And I think that's where Richmond has their chance. If they're able to win the balls in the middle and they're able to get them to Joe or – Mwape or Eli Lockabee or Charles Boateng, the four goal scorer in the first round of the U.S. Open Cup, they're all fast, skillful players and can put pressure on North Carolina. And what I've seen from North Carolina this season uh, is they give up the ball 
in bad positions, right? If you put any kind of press on them, um, they gave up a goal to Memphis that way. They almost gave up a goal to Charleston that way. So even though Richmond isn't really the pressing type and they like to build from the back, Akira Fitzgerald as their goalkeeper as probably the best passing keeper in the league. So they like to give it back to him and kind of set it from there. I think if they give some press to North Carolina and they can take that ball away, that's going to be their chance, right? So whether it's winning it in the middle and then sprinting or it's putting in a little press, that's where they're going to have their best chance against North Carolina. But on the other side, their weakness this year has been their set pieces. They've given up a set piece almost every game. Uh, They've given up the most set pieces, uh, second most in the league. So, and that's where North Carolina actually kind of looks dangerous, right? They've scored some free kick goals. Uh, they cross the ball well and head well. And while Connor shinoski has been a rock in the backfield for Richmond, uh, I don't know uh, how many set pieces you want to give North Carolina and how many free kicks because that's right. probably what's going to be Richmond's downfall. Yeah, I could see that. My only thing about Richmond is is I think they are, you know, definitely you know the best looking team in, in League One. Uh, but but the way they play, you know, I think it's going to work well in League One. I think in Championship they'd fail miserably trying to do what they do with the personnel they have, as good as as they can be at times. Um, I just worry that they aren't going to be able to pull that off, especially against a team like North Carolina, who, if they try to possess the ball against North Carolina, North Carolina defends well and they they counterattack, and that is just like made to destroy a team like Richmond playing their their everyday game at least. I don't know if they're going to change things up. Do you, have you thought about that? Do you think there's something so, to that? And that's my theme of this. Of the, because of the way the draws are, you're going to see that the way that teams have played this season, their best chance for them to to beat these championship clubs is to not play the way they've been playing this season. <laughs> right, right. And we'll, we'll talk about it too with Lansing and Indy. And it's just mm, like, yeah, it's just mm. – if Lansing would have drawn North Carolina – and Richmond was playing Indy, I think they'd be a lot better uh, competition for both teams and they have a lot better chance. But sometimes it's just a draw and sometimes it's the way that teams match up. And unfortunately, there's a really tough matchup for Richmond just because of their style of play. And I I do feel with with Bulow's experience, right? He He does have experience. I do feel comfortable with him making changes, but since he's so uh, since he's been so adequate with like trying to implement this and trying to say, you know, keep possession, keep winning the balls in the middle, I think he's going to focus on that. So it's going to be a tough battle for them. Good stuff, man. Real detailed. Um, should we move on to another team? You mentioned yeah. Tormenta or Ignite. So yeah, we can. Uh, since I brought up Lansing, if you want yeah. to talk about Lansing and Indy, um, I kind of like that matchup for Lansing. Maybe not because of like, and I think what you said is really accurate about how like none of the like, please don't watch these games tomorrow and be like, oh, that's how they play every week. That's yeah, really bad. That's a good. Like, that's not. It's <laughs> yeah. probably not going to be true. It's like like any road team in the Open Cup is not going to play how they normally do. It's just kind of yeah. how that shakes out. But. And, uh. I kind of like Lansing here only because I think Indy 11 are going to look to the championship because they're not quite playing up to standard in the league and they might overlook the Open Cup. And I think the players in Lansing are set up to play well against Indy and upset them. But I don't think that Lansing's playing style is necessarily great 
against Indy. And okay. so what I mean by that is Lansing is probably the most athletic team in the league. Um, Coach Nate Miller, every player that he got, he wanted to bring in players that can play multiple positions that were extremely athletic. Um, they play pretty much the opposite of Richmond. And even though um, they're pressing and pressing, Coach Nate Miller says it's for possession, but at the same time, it's not building from the back. It's going to put pressure on you to give up the ball to take that and immediately capitalize off of that. And probably the most exciting player for me in League One has been Nick Moon, and that's exactly what he does beautifully. And he's one of the best utility players in the league. He's played in the back. He's played in the midfield. He's played as a wing back. So he's been in the final third for 70% of the game at times. And he's just a pressing machine. He's all over the place. He's already had three pressings that have caused bad passes that have led to goals this year. Um, eight interceptions, five clearances, and also offensively, he's great too. Four key passes, has a goal himself, has a great foot. He can bend the ball. So he's someone that is going to be uh, important to watch. But what Lansing does right now for offensively is they like to get the ball out to their speedy wingers for one-on-one -on -one situations, and that's uh, Steve St. Duke, Tomi, uh, Tumi Moshabane, but the issue is they're crossing, right? And they cross, 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 but they have not connected. And so it's working as far as an offensive scheme, but it, it's just the final piece that isn't working. And so now they've got Ricky Espen back, who was on suspensions. He scored three goals and four shots. Um, so he's, he's come back and he's put, in, he's put the ball in the back of the net, something that they've been missing. But I don't know if that's going to work against Indy. And I don't, I, I feel that if they keep trying to do that, they're going to leave a big part of their, their middle open. And that's when Indy takes possession in the middle. And I've seen from this year when Indy gets possession and hits the middle, that's when they're, they're their best, right? That's when they throw in through balls. And I don't trust Lansing's defense on that. So Lansing has scored, um, They've scored, you know, the second most goals in the league, but they've also given up the second most goals in the league. So it's one of those things to where I don't think that Lansing should try to get into a shootout with Indy and maybe instead try to play like the Houston Dynamo did in CONCACAF Champions League and kind of play back and wait and send those wingers for those counterattacks. And something that I think could really work out because when you watch Indy against Tampa Bay, that's how Barrett got his red card, right? Couldn't he, he caught to the ball late when a winger beat him down the line. So if you can beat those backs down the line, that's when Lansing has a chance. But like I said, they don't, they don't necessarily play that way, but it will see if Nate Miller is able to kind of readjust and see if they can change their offensive scheme. Evan uh, smartly uh, quoted Brian Cook last week on last week's show that saying that Indy can attack well, Indy can defend well, but they can't do both at the same time. And so, um, which is exactly right. And so this, to me, this this game could be just a total blowout based on what you're saying right now. That it could just be a, a goal fest, you know, depending on what happens. So. Um, this one really could be fun because uh, I don't imagine Indy's going to sit back is kind of what I'm getting at there. Right. Um, and then and one one player that might help. So Steve St. Duke, and you've, if you've watched any League One or listened to me talk, you've probably heard his name before. He's someone I think can help the game because he's someone that can slow down the game. He's had the most fouls drawn on him on the team. He's had the most successful crosses. And so if they are able to kind of bring him mid, which they haven't tried to do much, I think he's a player that allows for you to slow down 
the game and kind of focus that defense for Indy to come in and not necessarily go back and forth, back and forth. Um, so I think he and then, of course, the central defensive midfielders are going to be the most important players for the for the game. Hmm. Uh, Ryan, you you people that are going to listen to this back, are, this isn't going to matter to them, but please just tell us what just happened in Charlotte, please. <laughs> The soccer soldier is tied at 2-2 yeah. at 118. Oh. And oh. I had just tweeted out basically saying that soccer so- independence is leading them at extra time. So I jinxed it. And okay. oh. Oh. Jackson it. With Howard too. Oh boy. Oh. Hey, um, guys, not to derail the open cup talk, but it is, uh, it is relevant. Um, what is Charlotte doing? <laughs> <laughs> like what? what's happening? I'm scared. Uh, I'm so concerned for this team. And like like yeah, the magic of the open cup or whatever, like that that's fine. But like the talent there's like okay, here I'll just say it. Like I I think Brendan Miller is a good goalkeeper. I think Hugh Roberts is a good defender. Like I think Andrew Gutman's looked well in what I've seen him play. Yeah. Like they have a Duro who's a good forward. Like they have talent on their roster. This is not like, you know, Hartford United or whatever, or Hartford Athletic or United. What you know, they're not you know, like it was like shoestring budget. Like they clearly had a vision this offseason and went out and got players. And, and obviously they brought in Jim McGinnis to to do something or, you know, he had a really good series of interviews and they went, yeah, like that's, that's the guy that we want to coach this team. And we see that he has a really clear future and we can do that. And like, they, they just set up it? this huge youth academy. They bring and, enough players though? Yes. Well, like, I think so. But, but like, what's ha- like, why aren't they like playing well ever? <laughs> so bad. <laughs> you know, like, it's not that like, this is an anomaly and they're playing well in the championship. Like they got beat three, one by Loudon United. Like, it's it's starting to scare Maybe some me. Some things just don't work out. Well, I I still I picked them as as a riser at the end of the season. I think they're gonna maybe improve in the last third of the season at, at best, but I don't see it before then. But if they don't like all of a sudden surge at the end of the season, like I would actually be okay with firing McGinnis. I'm, I'm gonna say that now. Like that's what I would expect. Is okay. It's gonna be bad for another month or two. And then I expect a major surge at the end of the season with all of this talent, because Jeff Reese has done his job. On six points right now through ten. Yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh I, is in thirteenth on eleven with eight games played. You know, and you know what? I've been mean. I've been thinking about this too. I've thought about doing a, a, an article on this. I don't think I have it in me, but um, I think there's like a USL two years ago, three years ago crew and i think there's a usl today crew and i think they're starting to separate from each other and i think i think yeah. that's what we're seeing somewhat you with see both it in M- you, you see it in mls and and you even saw a separation of usl today and usl two or three years ago two or three years ago that's why you see team yeah. that's why you've had teams like dayton wilmington all these sides drop down and or eventually just fold the pro side altogether because of a dividing USL today and USL of years past or a few years ago. Even within Charlotte, you saw it with the independents coming in and the Eagles dropping out. That's true. 
Except for uh, Charleston. They've stayed consistent in yeah. all U.S. That's I a surprise. But Pittsburgh. Look at yeah, but I see. I think Pittsburgh's gonna. I think Pittsburgh's gonna get left behind. I do too. I think they're yeah. that. I think they are the poster child for that. I mean, <laughs> to me, like you bring in Valeski and Dos Santos, Stephen Dos Santos, and those guys are just such old school high goal scorers. Yeah. And they're being they're they're getting run over. They don't right have now. the they don't have the athleticism and the and the footwork. Yeah. And like Angulo has been bad for a couple of years now, but he was a stunner with Pittsburgh like four yep. years ago. You know. Yep. <sighs> anyway, think, yeah. Well, speaking of Charleston, yeah. How about them? Soccer soldiers uh, going they to play Greenville time. tomorrow. Going to kicks. That's and amazing. So, the Greenville Triumph, yeah. And so, <laughs> so uh, oh, if you guys like defense, boy, oh boy, do I have news for you. Uh, a... This is the one to watch because love defense. I, I'm going to go ahead and put this down as a 1-0 win. Not even going to be able to predict a winner. I just know it's going to be 1-0. <laughs> um, so Greenville, defensively the most organized team in the league. Coach Harks has them running uh, like a well-oiled machine, yep. only conceded five goals in seven games. Um I put out my best 11 so far this year and two of their defensive players was on it just be, and usually you don't want to see that, but I had to, right? Because they're just, they're so good. They're so organized. Um, probably the most consistent defender, in my opinion, in the league, Kevin Pulitz, somebody that you've probably heard of before, you know, a name that you recognize, uh, 22 clearances, four blocks, 90% tackle success rate. And he does a great job of just being taking the space that he has to, and then also turning that around and starting offensively. So when you go and you look at his pass charts, they're never passes that go across to other defenders on the back line. They're always to the middle. They're always down the side. And that's important for Greenville because all of their offense is down the sides. They rarely play in the middle. If they are passing the ball into the middle, it's just to figure out how to get it back to the side. Um, and a big component of that and a big player, the reason why they do that is another name you're going to recognize is Tyler Pollock. Um, and he has been very great. I think he's been very good this year, second in the league in interceptions. He leads the league in tackles one. So between him and Pollock, you're not going to win a tackle. Um, and offensively, he's been great too with eight key passes um, and a lot, of, a lot of crosses. And when I say a lot of crosses, I mean a lot of crosses because that's all that Greenville does. They have 107 crosses in seven games, which is the most in the league. But the issue is they're not connecting on them. So they're only connecting on 21% of them. And their biggest issue this year have been scoring. So defensively, they're fine. They, I don't think they need to change anything. It's just that they don't have anyone that's able to get to the end of those crosses. So Travis Ward came in as a substitute last week and scored. Um, and so that's kind of been maybe like a, a little glimmer of hope for them. Like maybe he can be the guy that comes on and scores because Jake Keegan, who's been up top for them, just hasn't been able to really get it done. Um, and so that I think that's just going to be the – the, def- the deciding piece of this game, right? Like who's going to finish their chances because I think both of these teams defensively are great. And then it's just whoever has the best chance and whoever actually takes advantage and finishes it win. And like I said, I don't see this game being more than one Oh or one, one going into PKs. Think about Pollock though. That's good to hear that he's been doing so well, honestly, because 
I was worried about his speed and I talked and, and he, Oh, he gets beat. Trust yeah, me. And that, yeah. and that's where, and that's where Pulitz comes from, right? Pulitz has been great at stepping up, coming to the midfield, even Cole Siler, who has probably the most skillful center back I've seen on the ball uh, has stepped up into the midfield and Greenville does a great job of taking up that space. Cause Pulitz, Definitely is getting beat when, when he goes up, um, but they and even at a couple games have started at the wing. They didn't even start him at back, um, but it, it's beneficial. He does enough to get back and he tracks back wells and gets the interceptions. Like I said, second in the league. Um, they just they just need a finisher. I mean, this could easily be the second best team in the league if they just had someone that can finish it. Need a target target guy in there. That'd be perfect. Yep. They need a little Tucci. <laughs> They need a loan. They need a loan down. That'd be really cool to see someone from championship. On loan. And they and they have the most roster space available of any team in the league. So I do mm. think this is coming. Um, nice. It's just that I hope you know we're a quarter way through the season now, so you don't want to wait too long. And when you look at the standings, and you know there's four playoff teams and there's ten teams in the league, I think it's just going to be chaos in that fourth spot. I think it's going to come down to tiebreaker, whether it's gold differential or head on wins. And so it's going to be important for them to get some goals on board. Yep. And then, uh, Flamingo, right? Yeah. And then, uh, the, the poor, poor Madison, they just can't get a home. Even if they win this game, they're not yeah. going to be playing home. They just mm-hmm. can't get a, can't get a home game. I'm on curious why they ended up in el paso of uh, all places so yeah, weird have to talk you have to talk to u.s soccer about well, that I have no idea. Summer, so <laughs> yeah, exactly so it, it, it's it's good for el paso because madison's already had to play a game in the snow up in madison so um el paso like that they don't have to do that um but some so out of all the out of all the games i kind of think that madison might have the best chance to advance and okay. the reason why I think this a big a big knock is obviously so Madison will not have their Minnesota players uh, that they have on loan playing in the U.S. Open Cup. Right, so Minnesota right. said that they they want to cup tie them for the loons, so that's going to hurt. Um, but I think right now I'm a big I'm a big um, activist of of playing hot hands and who is winning right now and who's hot. And right now Madison's hot. Um, they started slow but they haven't lost in their last four league games and five overall games um and it all was was they've always been a defensively sound team they've they've conceded only one goal a game on average so what it was was they just needed creativity to get the scoring and that's what they're starting to find and they're starting to find that through creative midfield of midfielders like paulo jr who is just a beast as far as if you he's on the 50 yard line you're not putting pressure on him he's going to send a long ball through and you're going to be in trouble. So for El Paso to really uh, take advantage of Ford Madison, they need to clog up the middle. You do not want to give Ford time in the middle. And that's what Ford does too. They're not a fast attacking team. They're not trying to counter. They're going to play and set things up. So Paulo Jr. setting things up to Don Smart on the side. Don Smart's had 15 crosses. Has had twelve or has had uh, eight chances created, uh, so he's had a, a big resurgence and he's been playing extremely well. Um, and you know, working with Paulo that as a pivot, that's something to where you should really that this game's going to be won in the midfield. 
And El Paso doesn't want to play the El Paso's only scored 10 goals this season, right? And they don't want to play this whole, oh, we'll win 1-0 against Ford because that's what Ford wants. Ford yeah. wants to slow down this game, have possession, set up a great uh, play in the midfield, throw a ball, get one-on-one, and score. So that's why I think El Paso might be in trouble, especially because El Paso's given up six of their nine goals this season in the second half, and Madison has scored six of their seven in the second half. So this is going to be a game that's won in the middle and a game that's going to come down to the second half and who's winning uh, the balls in the middle and who's dictating the speed of the game, right? So is El Paso playing the way they want to play or are they falling into Ford Madison's playing style? I will say um, Ford Madison played St. Louis in the preseason and um, they didn't necessarily try to possess the ball against St. Louis. And so I actually wouldn't be surprised if they try to use the counter. And I do think they'll use it. You say it was smart is one is that winger. He was really good in that game. Is, is that the right I, name, if, Jason? Yeah. But if they, if they do though, I, I think it's going to be focused on Jiro. Oh, because okay. Jiro is the one that brings that kind of speed and physicality. If they want to do a counter, the thing about smart is uh, he, he'll be good for the first 60 minutes, but then I think his age catches up to him. So even if his most oppressive game this season, the, where he had two goals and six created chances, um, he was the player of the week. He was at the 90th minute. You could just tell he was mm. exhausted. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, dream, Giro dreams of soccer is going to be mm-hmm. an important piece that they are going to try to play that counter. And also El Paso doesn't want to uh, foul uh, Ford anywhere within the box because Nunez is going to come and score. He's an amazing free kick taker, mm-hmm. uh, crazy bend, not something that you want to set up, especially in a game that's probably going to end one nothing to one. Yeah. Well, it just just kind of looking back at that preseason game is I, I don't know if they thought about this. I think they probably knew that St. Louis is a pretty compact team. I really think forward looked really good in that preseason game doing that. Um, and I think they looked even better than Memphis in the preseason game. Interestingly enough, playing that style of soccer, Memphis was kind of playing a similar role. Um, but the thing about El Paso is they're so open compared to St. Louis. So you know, if they do play that way and they defend as well as they did against St. Louis, I thought they did a pretty good job, um, all things considered. Um, I really, I haven't seen a couple of the other teams you've talked about as much as you have, but I really feel like Ford has a good chance of stealing this one. I don't know yep. if that's a better chance than the other teams you mentioned, but I really like their chances from what I've yep. seen. And I think they have the best chance of advancing. And like, like I said, I think defensively they've been sound. So Connor Tobin, he leads the league in clearances, 42 clearances. They clog the middle extremely well, the middle of the box, I should say. Um, so I'm not worried about that um, as far as them giving up goals. The thing that they should, they need to watch out for, though, is if El Paso gets the first goal in the second half, then they have to chase the goal. Mm-hmm. And that's when Ford starts leaving space open. And while Paulo Jr. is uh, is great in the midfield, you're going to be putting a lot of pressure on Eric Leonard, who's delivered. He's a, he's a, one, he's a fantastic uh, central defensive midfielder, but you don't want to put that much pressure on him in the second half if you're chasing a goal. Yeah, I could totally see this being a race to the first goal, and that's it for yep. sure. Good stuff, man. Any other games for League One? Uh, no, uh, Tormenta Two is playing right now, but I have a feeling that uh, Nashville, yeah, should, yeah, should handle handle that. Uh, history, so. 
you know, props to the kids. Props to the kids though for making it this far. Yeah, you know, sure. got the got together. Some some of those kids arrived oh at, at camp Shut on my God. Monday and then had to play Tuesday, or I think yeah Tuesday against Chattanooga. So uh, the fact that they went and won three zero, props to them for getting that far. Yo, a bit of breaking news. Uh, you can tell what happened because Ryan uh, audibly said, oh, my God, a couple times. Uh, Phil and Jason, since I don't think you're watching it, um, you get one guess each as to uh, – here, I'll, I'll spoil it. It's wow. spoiled Tormented in the chat. I came back and they're winning? Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look uh, at those kids, man. You guys get one guess as to who missed the penalty that just sent the Florida soccer soldiers into the third round of the U.S. Open Cup. Oh, no. I already know. I saw it in the chat. Ah, uh, Jason. Jason. Is it is is it the the face of Charlotte it, Independent? It yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Is it Enzo? Yeah. That's heartbreaking. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Goose, I'm so sorry, man. That's a lot. It's rough. It's if rough. you wanted a, a microcosm of how the Charlotte Independent season is going, there you go. Oh. Yeah. Is that in Charlotte? League One, the Florida yeah. Soccer Soldiers will be playing winner of Richmond and CFC oh, yeah, next so, round. So easily, yeah, Richmond has the best chance. If Richmond wins this game, they have the best chance of getting the furthest. And it's, I think it's if Richmond beats North Carolina, I think they beat that Florida team, to be yep. honest. Absolutely. And then they would probably play Orlando or something yeah. down here, right? Which I would feel – I think Orlando's playing well, better. Wait, is there, a chance, is there a chance with the new region that Richmond will play like Philly or someone like that? They is haven't that decided that? where the MLS teams are coming in. The only, oh, okay. They decided the third round, but that's still matching up USL right. against okay. USL or yeah. other local qualifiers. Well, I guess they'll have to do it before we find out if they, if they yeah. do or not. Yeah, I forgot that um, Nashville will probably end up playing the Southern MLS yeah. teams. So, Nashville and whoever wins the Charleston Greenville game. Yeah, anyway. I mean, personally, in uh, my opinion, I do think MLS teams should enter in to a round into the third round, not wait for the fourth. I don't know. I I don't necessarily even care about that. I love Taylor Twelman's idea about giving the lower league team the home game every single yeah, time. There you go. I, I kind of Counterpoint, New Mexico United didn't submit a bid to host a Open Cup venue, so some of the lower league teams have almost have no interest in hosting. That's, there is well, that. because they know they're not going to get it, eh? Well, or they can't. Their venue is All New Mexico has to do is beat Phoenix Rising, and if they go to the next round, they'll have to scramble together a venue. Right, exactly. Um, because it's the baseball stadiums are busy during the week, you know? Yeah. So... Tormenta 2 also got one back, so now they're only down 3-2. Hey. Let's go. Let's there go. Don't count there the kids is. out. <laughs> now, if, if they win, that's easily the biggest upset yes. of the cup, right? Oh, yeah. Like, no matter what happens, even if a USL championship beats an MLS team, that's the biggest upset of the whole cup, right? So yeah. far, yeah. I mean, Nashville has MLS money, so they might as well be MLS. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, imagine, like, and oh, that... Oh my God! The internet might explode if that happened. Right, like people already gunning down for Nashville. We're for already mad that the, my boy Derek Jones is now liberated. 
That's <laughs> <laughs> true, too. I would love that Tormenta 2 just takes out like the teams that everyone already like is gunning for on the internet. So they take well, out so the Red the Wolves and they gone. take out Nashville. Yeah, that's, that's, I'm sorry? The Cosmos are already out, so that's all. Uh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Damn. <laughs> Miami's out too, right? They lost last Yep, week. looks like the only thing left to fight out is the, the entirety of one MLS. fight oh. they still have on the courts. Crazy. Yeah, that kind that um competition thing that they petitioned FIFA for. Apparently that's getting argued out in the courts. Right. Oh, sorry, wait, let's be hold on. Let's if we're going the things that the internet hates about soccer, then uh they'll have to beat the athletic and the NISA's social media director. Mm-hmm. Or, or, I don't know, Anthony or Nisa was playing as himself in the open cup. Are any Nisa teams playing? They'd have to beat them too. Well, Florida soccer soldiers have a really good case for becoming a franchise now, apparently. And Nisa? I mean, whatever. Hey, maybe they're just waiting for teams to win the. Uh, I don't think any team has a good chance to be in a franchise <laughs> in a league that doesn't seem to actually exist. But that's just my opinion. Gotta, Steven, I, I always love when you're on. Steven. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> gotta that's, bring. I'll uh, off to be a Shannon Sharp or something. That's cute. <laughs> guys do we, uh, do we want to talk about anything else we're doing with these lovely people in the chat and the lovely people at home get on with their lives and watch more open cup maybe yeah we can catch a few more games the end of games if we go now so i'm right. up for it all right so cool. too let's Here's do it uh, awesome. thanks for listening, y'all. sorry for the weird kind of segmented pod as you can tell there was things happening and things certainly did happen uh if you want to check out the show or follow us give us a give us a like tell us that we're terrible whatever you want to do man it's up to you or woman, you know, either way. Uh, at the USL show on the Twitters, uh, youtube.com backslash the USL show. Uh, feel free to go check out Jason and all his friends over at League One Fun, uh, at League One Fun. You can check him at, at uh, Home Sweet Soccer. It's one of the better American soccer Twitter accounts going today. And I'm not just saying that because he's mm-hmm. from from a city. Uh, it's, it's actually just true. He's saying it because I paid him. You, you can be honest. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, he's flipping, you know, like, <laughs> It's a Philly thing, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, bet we're eating the night. And then (laughs) now he's getting the plug. That's how it works. Yeah. Take care, y'all. See you next week.